Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Dear brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome to this Elmfeed podcast episode. I'm your host, uh, Fatima Barakatullah. And today I have a really interesting guest with me. Um, her name is Sister Aisha Abrar. And she is um, a certified lactation counsellor breastfeeding counsellor uh, from the UAE. So I'm just going to welcome her, inshallah. So assalamu alaikum, Sister Aisha. How are you? I'm fine, alhamdulillah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Well, jazakallah khairan for joining me. Um, uh, it's such an interesting thought that uh, in the UAE you have uh, certified lactation counsellors. What, what exactly is a lactation counsellor. Can you just explain to our uh, viewers and listeners, inshallah? Okay, so uh, this is a certified uh, post for uh, breastfeeding counsellors where we support women, mothers who are um, just delivered their babies. And uh, mm -hmm. even those who have like delivered after some time, they're facing some breastfeeding issues. We counsel them into actually supporting them having a, a good breastfeeding relationship with their baby because what happens is when a mother delivers her child and in the hospital what happens is uh, they don't have any knowledge about you know the latching and the newborn how the newborn has to latch and then start feeding yeah. so many times what happens is any kind of uh, unsuccessful attempt will lead on to directly feeding them with the formula milk which is anyhow the artificial milk but in certain cases when it is necessary that's one thing where the baby is not able to thrive but as breastfeeding experts counselors and lactation consultants we help women learn about breastfeeding even before they uh, give birth to their child to learn about the breastfeeding practices to learn what to expect when they deliver their baby and also understand the newborn behavior so that they can understand and they can understand the baby's feeding cues and successfully uh, breastfeed their baby for up to two years. So this is our mission to spread the breastfeeding awareness for new moms and even uh, moms who have uh, issues later in life, like after six months to eight months. Also, we help them relactate and wean off from the formula feeding and go back to breastfeeding exclusively till six months of age help them with the infant uh, feeding practices and understanding the baby behavior. So everything is like a complete uh, support for them because we want them to have an informed decisions and evidence-based decisions where they can take uh, the right decision for themselves and their child. MashaAllah. And so is this service available to all women in the UAE or how does it work? Yes, this is a certified course from the Sharjah government. So we are actually, we have a helpline. We have WhatsApp support groups. We also support uh, mothers privately to WhatsApp support. And there are uh, some some lactation consultants who are IBCLCs, you call them. Actually, it's, uh, it's another uh, certification after breastfeeding counseling. So once they become an IBCLC, they also get the permission to function as a, a medical professional through the DHA. So that's when they can also do home visits they can uh, be in the medical clinic to support women but as breastfeeding counselors we are mostly on voluntary basis where we support women for free and uh, we also uh, that is mainly through phone calls and um, 
even if you have to visit them in their hospital, then we do visit them and then we help them out in breastfeeding. Wow, mashallah, it sounds really good. Uh, can you can you remind us what your website is? It's Ahlan. My own, yeah, this is my own yeah. initiative, ahlanmotherhood.com, is where I, I have that. developed packages. Yeah. I have developed packages for mothers, especially for the new mother is my focus because uh, in our community, especially in the Asian community, they don't have any knowledge on the importance of breastfeeding. So giving them that opportunity where they learn about breastfeeding and learn to know what to expect, even when they're mm. pregnant, that even when during their pregnancy, they know what happens, what is the cholesterol on the first three days uh, after birth of their child, what to expect. And many others say that I don't have milk. And so I gave formula. Yeah. Um, yes. So, mashallah, um, Sister Aisha, that that just sounds so amazing, so useful. Because just reflecting on what it was like when I first had my first child, um, you're right. Like, <laughs> like as a mother, you you actually think or you imagine that everything's just going to come naturally. Like, you mm. think that you know you're just going to be the baby will know how to breastfeed, will know how to uh, latch on, will know how to feed. You don't really, especially with your first child, you don't really give it much thought. You know, you think it's just natural. Uh, millions of women do it all over the world. So my mom did it. Everyone's, you know, it's, it's going to be something that is just going to come naturally. And yet, I must say, like, just to share my own um, experience with my first child, I found um, I found the first few days really difficult. You know, I was really determined to breastfeed, um, and I'd read so many books about it. You know, but obviously, reading books is is not doing the, it's not the same, right, as actually doing it. Um, but when I first uh, started, it my baby was very sleepy. You know, I think that's what happens a lot as well, isn't it? Like the baby's very sleepy. The baby sometimes uh, can't put the effort in to, to suck and to really feed properly. And so what happened uh, with my first child was that he was losing so much weight in the first days. Okay. Um, and maybe there was, there was another thing as well there. And that is that as a Muslim woman, I felt quite shy I think to ask for help you know like I didn't really want to uh, expose myself in front of somebody yeah in front of another even in front of another lady and I think that wasn't right you know there was no need for me to be so <laughs> so kind of you know worried about that but that was just like a natural instinctual thing it wasn't it wasn't any nobody was telling me that I can't do that it's just, I just didn't think I needed to ask for help or for anyone like a like a nurse or a, a midwife to have a look and see and make sure that I was breastfeeding properly or that the baby was getting the milk. And so what happened was my son lost so much weight in the first days, um, even when I went back home. I know that a uh, some weight loss is normal right at the beginning, but his weight loss was going so low his weight was going so low that uh, we have health visitors in the UK. So a health visitor will come and visit you and see that everything's okay in the, like after the first 10 days. Um, she said to me, you should just stop bottle feeding now. 
right? And I, I was so against it. I was like, no, I'm not going to stop bottle feeding because I was determined. And I had this thought in my head that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided me with this baby and he's provided me with the milk for this baby, right? He gave the risk for this baby. And so I, I'm determined that I will not bottle feed, even though the health visitor was really putting quite a lot of pressure on me, actually. And when she saw that I was not going to change my mind, she said, okay, in that case, you're going to have to breastfeed every few hours, day and night, in order to make sure that he gains enough weight. Um, and, you know, she told me some other things I could do. And also she, uh, the midwife came she watched me feeding my child and she pointed out to me that the baby was not latched on properly okay i think that was the key problem you know yes. uh that even though there's the milk is there the baby is not especially when they're so newborn they're like you know they don't have that strong kind of uh reflexes or very strong kind of ability um she showed me how to make the baby latch on properly and only then did my son start gaining weight subhanallah you know and it's such an emotional experience it's such an emotional time because mm. as a mom you don't want to harm your child right and so mm. you start feeling guilty if if it's not if the progress isn't being made and i'm just thinking subhanallah it's so nice to have it would have been so nice to have somebody like you there you know like somebody who's who understands how strongly we feel that we want to breastfeed but that can reassure you you know and give you some tips and give you some ideas of how how you can cope with this period uh because it is really emotional so i think a lot of sisters maybe prematurely give up would you agree with that yes i what i was saying was uh many mothers in the first three to five days of their uh, birth of their child it's obvious that the milk will take some time to come in because the first yeah. two to three days is colostrum and then it just drops 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 yeah. and then it's just uh, uh, a little bit of the milk which like you know maybe a teaspoon will fill up the stomach and they think that it's just low milk supply and the baby is crying a lot the baby is not sleeping well and basically yes. it's the crying that matters to them and they say that maybe because i don't have milk the baby is crying and then they give the formula milk so that the baby sleeps now when they see the baby sleeping and they're happy about within one or two weeks again they have the same problem saying that when they want to breastfeed their child it's the same thing the child is pulling back at the breast and the child is not sleeping the child is crying and that's when truly their milk supply starts reducing because they have shifted to formula and they're not feeding the child as feeding on demand so that's like a cycle they go in back into and finally they go into exclusive formula feeding and then there's no breastfeeding at all for them yeah because so, breast milk just just for people who are listening who don't know, breast milk is produced when there's the sucking action from the baby, right? Like the yes. brain tells the body that it needs to produce more milk when it feels that there's a demand, right? Yes. And so when the demand goes down, uh, the, the body doesn't produce as much milk. Yes, it's the brain signals that is uh, activated during when the sucking reflex takes place. And also when the baby is uh, skin to skin with the mother, when the baby cries, the oxytocin 
is uh, produced in the uh, the oxytocin hormone is produced in the body which helps in the milk production so when all of this is not there and especially when uh, there is no skin to skin contact soon after birth that it does affect the milk supply because the baby is away the mother is in stress and everything goes haywire you can say so it's good it goes out of balance so in order to for the milk to get produced is mostly when the baby sucks the milk is produced and that's a cycle again and when the baby cries the mom takes the baby uh, the oxytocin hormone helps in uh, the milk production boosting yeah um and i i think um some people also don't realize that islamically it's actually the right of the baby you know yes. that we that we breastfeed as as any of course i'm not saying like if there's a really you know there's a reason why it doesn't work out then but still like as a the default or the norm is that uh the baby has a right to be breastfed and i think we need to internalize that and our families need to understand that as well because unfortunately what i've been seeing sister aisha is that sometimes families are not very supportive you know of the woman uh who's trying to breastfeed uh they get impatient or they start putting pressure on her to stop breastfeeding because they want i don't know they want her to go back to work or something you know um and so even though she really wants to breastfeed she doesn't have the support of the family yes and that's very common in our community because it's like especially when there are women in a joint family system extended family system they are expected to get up at certain time and then make food for the whole family and that when the baby is taking the whole time and they are always in the room it's a demand like look you have to come and take care of the house chores it's not like within the one month or maybe like within the three months also because the baby's pattern keeps changing and feeding on demand becomes uh, becomes really tough for the mother so it's like what they are taught usually in hospital is like feed every 2 hours and even if the baby hungry within an hour you don't have to go to the baby let the baby cry so what happens is it's like the mother is still stressed and the mother cannot go to the baby even when the baby is crying within maybe 15 minutes within because during the growth spurts the baby asks for more milk at more frequent amount of time so it's like they set a pattern for the mother to follow and it becomes a pressure upon her when she gets stressed then automatically the milk supply reduces and then again the formula is again creeping back into the lifestyle for the baby and the mom so it's mm. it's all the stress that adds up to her that that's really surprising to me that you said that like in some families they they still expect the mother to do the chores and like the new mom you know uh because Not like I, like first few or first month or the first three months they are given a lot of rest in our culture but there are places like uh, still that expectation right okay literally the first three months to understand especially if it's your new child if it's your first child you don't know head or tail of what exact to expect yeah. with it and you just need to be with the baby constantly day yeah. and night day and night day and night so which is not truly supported in many communities as such and they are expected to you know like there'll be guests coming in there'll be people you will be meeting and so that will be an off time with the baby there'll be something that you keep on you know um doing something apart from uh if feeding the baby so that kind of alters the attention mm -hmm. and 
helping for the breastfeeding journey to take place because you need to understand what the baby is trying to say and it's kind of hard to understand you need to spend a lot of time in understanding and in interacting with the baby to uh, breastfeed successfully especially if it's your first child second child yeah. then you know what exactly to expect also so in the yeah. first child the biggest the, if the first child uh, post even if the birth is traumatic if the breastfeeding journey is traumatic then it's very difficult to heal again and then start off with the successful breastfeeding journey and bonding with your baby for your second, third, fourth, fifth also. And I think um, also it's worth mentioning that breastfeeding, you know, why why is breastfeeding better? You know, I think that's just, that's something that, like in, in the West, in Western countries, um, during the 60s and 70s which is was like the second wave of feminism here in the west um they they were actually campaigns that were against motherhood you know like you can actually see uh like protests where they were calling motherhood slavery right mm -hmm. and so there was this negative connotation attached to motherhood and then uh, the formula milk companies also were like, you know, advertising that, you know, making out that the formula milk is better. And mm -hmm. so women actually stopped breastfeeding. There was a time in, in the UK when the breastfeeding, the level of women or the number of women breastfeeding is very low. But now the tables have turned and, you know, the the NHS here, the National Health Service, they're constantly trying to motivate women to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. uh, so even like if you walk into an antenatal clinic or an antenatal ward, you'll see signs that say breast is best, you know, and they, they're really trying to like motivate women and they're saying to them that, look, it's not just food, you know, breast milk is not just food. Mm -hmm. It's actually much more. There's, uh, well, you can tell us sister, you know, what, what would you say if a sister said to you, what's the big deal? Um, I would say it's just that the formula milk is produced by uh, the humans and the breast milk is very natural. It's by the creator itself. So that's the first thing. Breast milk is natural and it's it's actually a very biodynamic fluid in technical terms, uh, which, which formula just has a formula. It's a food to the baby. It has the nutrients and everything. But then what breast milk contains is completely tailored to every baby individually one baby receiving one type of breast milk and the other baby won't receive the same type of breast milk even if it's twins both the babies will receive their own individualized pattern of breast milk when they are feeding so it's not the same so how can a formula one single formula be the same for every single baby so that's why since it's man-made it can it's 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 a, it's something which can be used in only very dire circumstances if the baby is not thriving if the baby is not you know there's a uh, life death risk to the baby at that point of time but then again if the mom is taught to breastfeed then every mom can breastfeed every single mom can breastfeed it just takes and persistence then, right it takes persistence yeah. once it's almost like uh, there's a point once you get through past that threshold suddenly mm -hmm. it becomes easier that's that's how I, I felt anyway even for me being a second time mom the first three months were hard i had to literally lock down everything put the log for my baby what she was doing why she was doing for the first three months it was like literally sleepless nights why what when where even though i knew uh that you know this should be do, be done but then 
still the baby every baby is different so at what time how they behave and what you exactly have to do with the sleepless nights you have to actually wonder what step you need to take so if you have the assistant and if you have that counselor someone you need to speak to even at uh, 2 am in the night if there is a counselor available then it's it's a really big help because it will help you understand the baby and then feed the baby and go back to sleep at least for a few hours so if you just don't receive yeah. any help then you just end up getting stressed and then there's no uh, way out for it at that point of time so it's just like you feel completely lonely that's the biggest thing yeah the loneliness factor comes in and it shows you that that fathers husbands have to really support their wives right i mean like one thing i i reflect on is the fact that in islam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted the burden of financial provision you know the responsibility of financial provision from women right and he made that mm-hmm. responsibility the responsibility of men i think for a lot of us we understand that once we become mothers right like especially when you have a newborn you realize how subhanallah it's such a it's such an all consuming role you know um and i don't mean that in a negative way you know of course like we're we're talking about some of the difficult aspects of it but obviously once you get past a certain point of difficulty it becomes it and it is a very beautiful and fulfilling um experience but the fact that you that islam doesn't demand of us as women to be the breadwinners is a huge relief you know especially during that period um yes true yeah and i think i think um uh, like with the younger generation i always try to say to them you know keep that preserve that you know preserve that fact that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the men responsible for the provision uh because you know i um, i fear sometimes that we uh, you know the younger generation especially like uh, coming up because women feel the pressure to work and feel the pressure to also contribute financially when they become mothers it's going to really be a shock to them you know because subhanallah you can really see that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recognizes that mothers have such a huge responsibility that he wanted to lift lift the financial burden from their shoulders hmm that's true but then again now uh, i guess it's also not an option for many moms who are you know into this situation because of covid the covid has put a certain amount of pressure for even mothers who have to end up working Mm. and uh, basically to two roles because here uh, i think in most parts of the world where husbands have lost jobs the businesses have gone down it's it's an added uh, responsibility you can say for the mothers also but yes that itself uh, it's like it takes consumes all the time the motherhood factor consumes all the all of the time if the first four months five months are uh, going well then it becomes easy like when the baby is 6 months and you know starting with the solids it does become easier to understand and then also uh, divide your time into other work that you need to do um another aspect of it is um i i, I was reading that, that there's a book uh, by a psychologist here in the uk his name is steve bidolf he wrote a book called raising babies and in that book he actually says to women who can't breastfeed or don't breastfeed um 
he says that even if you are going to give the baby formula milk, it he, he he's really emphasizing that it's not just about the food. So he's saying that what you should do is actually bare your chest. He says you should uncover your chest every time you you bottle feed and he says you should hold the baby against your chest the cheek of the baby against your chest mm. subhanallah and i was just thinking about you know how breastfeeding is also about the connection that the baby has with the mother and how that makes the baby's brain actually grow doesn't it yes exactly and uh, that's the main bonding where the baby's against you and then you're feeding the baby you're looking into their eyes and the babies because when uh, i feed my baby also the way she looks at me that itself has that releases the oxytocin hormone for yeah. the to be produced even more and then the letdown to happen that's the basically called a letdown when the baby when the oxytocin is there so uh, when you're stressed there's no let the letdown is very less that's called like you know where the baby starts drinking actively till then the baby tries to suck and then uh, activate the letdown but that happens very uh, less when you're stressed and with if the baby is tired if you're tired so it's everything is like uh, connected when the baby is there with you the baby is looking into your eyes and then you're bonding with the baby it becomes a smooth process so sister aisha how did you get into this um, field what what can you tell us a bit about your background and how you kind of got into uh like where did you even think of becoming a breastfeeding counselor okay uh my uh main graduation degree was computer science engineering i graduated as an engineer and uh i can, I, can you I, say that again your main main was an engineer i graduated as an engineer okay. computer computer engineer but then I wasn't interested in working in the computer field somehow. Then I got married mm -hmm. after a few years. Uh, and um, when I conceived, um, my husband also was uh, into more into holistic living, like where it's more natural and we avoid medications unless there is a very big need for it. So we go into the sunnah remedies and all of that. So I was more holistically conscious. And when I, I, I used to research on the net regarding these um, things. And then I came across Sharjah Breastfeeding Friends, it's called. That's a community where they uh, do courses. And at a very minimal uh, rate, they do this uh, course. Um, that time it was uh, on site. Now, because of COVID, they are doing it online also. So now they have now even uh, ladies from different parts of the world have opportunity to become a breastfeeding counselor from Sharjah. So at that time, it was an on site time. And when I came to know about it, I wanted to learn more about it because it was just a 10 days course and uh, where they will take you through all the details of breastfeeding and baby behavior and everything, how you need to become a counselor to others. So once you're certified, you can even practice on your own. You can also go into, you know, visiting uh, women to help them out, calls, hotlines, WhatsApp groups. It, it ju it's just you, you become more empowered in understanding that you can do something naturally with the information and the knowledge that you have gained. So that that empowered me to learn. And um, by the time I was researching that, uh, I was still uh, first time I was pregnant, but then I couldn't do the course at that point of time. But I just knew that this thing existed. And that that same time, I also came to know there's something called natural birth, the birth which is without interventions, the birth that is led by midwives and all of that. But I was just exploring that option during that time. Alhamdulillah, my first birth was very natural without any interventions. 
but post birth there was uh, the doctor had told me there was some complication and that they had to do a, a hematoma operation and after that i was on medications and it was like antibiotics a lot of antibiotics and i had the side effects then i had uh, hypertension because of that so although i knew that there is something called latch i need to work around with the latch for the baby but those medications put me into a complete um, blurry zone where i couldn't literally for four days i didn't sleep at all i was just into the medication the drowsiness and i didn't know what the baby was doing uh, and or she was feeding or not feeding i just couldn't follow anything through and in the hospital they just forced me into giving uh, formula because they were saying the baby is losing out her weight and her sugar levels are going down they came went, they completely made, made us into a panic mode mm. they kept panicking. they kept making us uh, panicked about the whole situation even though i knew that this is not happening right but i was not in that alert state of mind to actually sort it out so mm. it was a bit of a struggle i went into postpartum depression also because of that for at least a month or two i was into postpartum depression and then gradually 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 as i came out of it then i started having the intention that no for my second uh, child i i need to be well equipped with the full information before anything happens you know um, so that um, i am vocal about my situation to the doctor and also after the birth i know what to do so i took this course and um, yeah i think i finished yeah i finished this course by one year before i delivered my second child and i was well equipped with the whole information so i knew what to do and i was pretty confident even with the uh, ch childbirth certification also i just finished that before uh, i became pregnant for the second time because i just needed to have that information in hand before anyone could come and tell me this is what you have to do i need to have mm -hmm. that well -equipped knowledge to empower myself to speak to the doctor and maneuver my way through the right path to have that natural birth so it's all my experiences that led me to deciding what i had to do i just didn't want to have any trauma trauma uh, after every birth and just go unnoticed without knowing things what um, yeah what you said about the doctors pressuring you or the the, the health people you know yeah. it really resonates with me and i think it was only because i was i had read a lot of books about breastfeeding that mm -hmm. i resisted you know and alhamdulillah i wasn't ill or anything you know um and only after doing like every two hours breastfeeding day and night and that meant no sleep mm -hmm. my son did start gaining weight and then i just i could just continue breastfeeding you know mm. um but i but it really resonates with me especially with the first child how tempting it is to just because you already feel you know um inadequate you know you feel inadequate because yeah. especially when somebody tells you you're potentially harming your baby mm. um it's, it's it's a very emotional time and you really even you need to have a lot of knowledge and information at your fingertips or you need to have people who are really gonna stand with you isn't it yeah you need to have the support or you need to have that knowledge to mm -hmm. equip yourself um so sister uh, what about um you said that you wanted to mention about how breastfeeding improves mm -hmm. the gut of the mother and the baby can you tell us a little bit about that 
the breastfeeding basically it's a, a dynamic liquid so it's whatever the mom eats the breast milk it goes into the breast milk and the baby can get a taste of it the baby gets the properties of it so it actually basically starts uh, how the mother's gut is formed if the mother's gut is healthy the baby's gut also is healthy because the breast milk would be giving those enzymes and those properties through the breast milk uh, if the mom is not if the mom is not healthy and she's having a leaky gut for example and she's not been having healthy foods through her breastfeeding time the breast milk would also eventually end up in the baby's gut as you know the baby's gut won't be uh, that healthy the babies are born with a leaky gut so at that point if they get the breast milk with the right the nutri with the right so nutrition that the mom is taking in then the baby's gut starts healing and then closing in the leaky gut starts closing in and then they uh, don't get these future allergies or intolerances mostly we hear about like you know babies having lactose intolerance and uh, some allergies when they grow up so it's also that the baby's gut resembles the mom's gut if the mom is having constipation for some reason the baby will also end up having constipation i have observed that in my case and this is from an observation that i'm seeing whatever i'm eating or i'm going through after eating the ba my baby goes through the same thing if i'm having uh, a issue for constipation then my baby is also having that time and whatever i eat if i'm not having any healthy food for example it's too much mm. of dairy uh, there is uh, the gas in the baby uh, there's a lot of reflux so it also depends on the quality of the food that you're having so if my gut i start healing my gut through having a lot of probiotics and prebiotics the same the properties get passed on through the breast milk and the baby's gut is also resembling the similar ones and uh, the thing is a microbiome that is it's the microbiome that is for, is there in the gut of the baby and the mom so the first time the microbiome and the gut is exposed to all of these microbes is during the birth uh, if it's a vaginal birth so the baby's microbiome will resemble the mom's microbiome because it's getting um, connected towards the from the vaginal canal when when the baby is coming out. So that's the first time the baby's microbes uh, get formed in when contact with the mother's uh, microbes, the microbiome. So that's where the gut the gut lining, the gut resemblance is all taking place, and. it also resembles what your grandmom also actually you know was how healthy was your grandmom's gut because it's like when you say your your um, the mother carries the embryo of her grandchild so yes. it's like passed on genes and genes and generations so it's called like the, the the science is right now being in research called the microbiome and epigenetics course so i have run that course also and that is where which i explained all the uh, properties in breast milk there are like Uh, oligosaccharides there are hmos uh, how the fructose and the sucrose and the galactose form to each other when in the breast milk and how the enzymes are secreted so this all it's like you don't have all of this in, in uh, the formula milk and the formula milk is not like you know it's passing on any kind of properties or genes but in the breast milk that genes or the the properties from the mom that get get gets passed on to the baby it resembles a lot so uh, if the mom's gut the mom's gut needs to be healthy for the baby's gut to be healthy so yeah so when when you said about uh, the mom has the 
the ba her own baby and then she has her baby's embryo. I think you meant egg, right? Yes, egg, egg. Egg, yeah. Okay. Uh, but that's quite amazing, isn't it? If you think about it, subhanAllah. Like, it's just a research. I'm not sure how hmm. uh, it's, it's true, but then it does make sense. Yeah, because the eggs, the, 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 the eggs in the in the embryo form quite early if it's a female if it's a female uh, baby subhanallah so I, I did read that myself actually um and i thought it was quite it makes quite sense the, the gut system also because at that point of time what nutrition you're putting in the body the baby is getting it yeah i think for a lot of women um it's when they first have a child that they really start reassessing their diet right yeah, yeah. like eat drink, drink more water even you know drink a lot more water yeah. have a more balanced diet more fiber more greens uh you know avoiding junk food mm -hmm. um eating we start eating healthy when we see our baby suffering so until then we just don't uh yeah. think about it yeah, subhanAllah, it really wakes you up, I think, to to the fact that what you eat and is a good, not just going to affect you, but it's going to also affect your children. Um, Jazakallah khairan for that. What about, like, common breastfeeding issues? Um, like, say, say there's a sister who's listening and she's thinking, you know, um, how can she, as a new mother manage to have a smoother bonding bonding experience with her baby what advice would you give well uh, the first thing is uh, for the smoother bonding for the baby she needs to breastfeed and she needs to know she needs to know the baby's cues that is the crying cues uh, when the baby is uh, putting the hands towards the mouth when the baby is rooting the head near the mom. So this is a time when she needs to go and feed the baby. Now, if she lets the baby cry and uh, cry it out method, you have, you say, right? So which goes, which makes the baby into very hysterical uh, kind of cries and then the baby won't latch on, the baby won't feed. So the bonding starts off with the time when she starts understanding and you know, looking at the baby's body language and hearing the cries because the cries are different for each and everything the cry of pain, the cry of hunger, everything. So if she is well equipped with knowledge about this, only knowledge is power, right? So when she has a knowledge... Doesn't that take time to figure out? Because it's like different for every every baby, right? Like It is different, but if she has, that's what, if she has the knowledge beforehand, before she delivers, before she gives birth, she will be alert enough to actually find okay, out. And yeah. also She'll look out for it. Mm. She will look out for it. And it's also very important that her husband, her family is supportive enough to actually give that time to understand you know, that yeah. that uh, uh, private, intimate time between the mom and the baby is there so that she's able to understand the baby, what the baby is trying to say. And most of the so, time, especially the first month, the mothers are not allowed to get up from the bed. They are just sitting there, right? So that is the time that you need to utilize to bond with the baby. The first... Yes. The first 40 days, that's what we say. So that those days are like the golden days where you know your baby, when you interact yeah. with your baby, when you bond with your baby. And everything when you do, you start you know, uh, getting in 
what the baby's trying to say. And after like two months, three months, it becomes a little easier because the baby's more expressive and you know your baby's pattern by then. And do you, do you advocate that people keep their newborn in their bed with them? Uh, it depends on how they're actually preparing because there are, there are, uh, there are beds or there are people who sleep on the floor with the futon kind of beds. So if you have that kind of space and you are alert enough at night times to keep the baby far enough and you can feel also at night, that would be okay. And some people prefer to have a separate cot next to the bed where they can get up and feed. I personally don't like to get up and feed and sleep. So I just want my baby next to me, whether even if it's far, I would sleep a bit far further. So yeah. our arrangement is like, you know, the bed is restricted. The bed, uh, when you have a normal bed, it's restricted. It's just that king size. But when you sleep on the floor, you can just sleep more further and your baby's still mm -hmm. there. You're still sleeping. You just don't have to get up. So it just depends on the arrangement. But you need to be sure that the baby is not sleeping, especially the first three months, the baby is not sleeping on the stomach. You need to keep getting up and checking, actually, if the baby is sleeping properly. So that's what I used to do. So it's like personal, but then you need to be alert. Either you or your husband is like, you know, waking up at times at night and then checking the baby. That's what's preferred. Yeah, I think with, with most of my kids, actually all of them, I did have a little cot, but and I hardly ever used it, to be honest. You know, it was just, it was there, it, you know, one of those cots with the side that goes down. Yeah. yeah. So it just attaches. That attaches. That was quite useful. That was quite useful. But especially for the first six months, I'd say I sometimes my husband wouldn't even sleep in the bed you know he, he could yeah. just go to the living room uh, you know just so that he could get a decent sleep and go to work and mm. that was good for me in a way you know just me and the baby and mm. that way we don't have to live on anybody else's time plan you know we can just wake up and sleep whenever we need to yeah because sometimes you have some really amazing moments right in the middle of the night right where your baby is like really alert and awake and it's almost like the baby wants to talk to you like have some communication with you my second and, one uh, throughout the night for the first three months also <laughs> it's when in the fourth and the fifth month she started waking up at night but she won't wake up for like playing she'll go back to sleep because i'm sleeping and it's all dark so i didn't expect both of my babies i didn't experience much of waking times early morning or in the night <laughs> was during the yeah but she would sleep late at some point four months she would sleep really late she would want to wake and play up till like 1 a.m 2 a.m and then sleep yeah i used to use the time when i was breastfeeding to to learn arabic actually i learned a lot of arabic during that time because uh, and quran as well like i used to just wake up and just listen to some quran or some arabic lectures so that used to really help me make me, it made me feel alert and mm -hmm. uh maybe it was benefiting the baby as well listening to some yeah. quran you know yeah um any other advice that you give to to new moms seek knowledge yeah, the way you seek knowledge for uh deen for your for islam the same way you need to seek knowledge for your own betterment and your future because you are the main educators of this ummah where you lead the generation and if you as a mom can do this as an uh, empowerment for yourself your daughters your sons would take the lead to also uh, empower their wives and they also empower themselves your daughters 
in a way that they can you know it it will be it will go on for generations and generations now once now since i have finished my certified breastfeeding counselor i can teach my daughters when they grow up they don't have to go outside and seek the support like i don't know my mom doesn't know we don't know what should we yeah, do yeah. should be that kind of with that security that is provided for them in the form of knowledge so same like how the quran is preserved that this knowledge has to be preserved where you know because i mean you told in the beginning that uh, breastfeeding is we think that breastfeeding comes out naturally actually it does because when you are seeing your family and your extended family breastfeed their children you you keep seeing you keep seeing and then you learn when you mm. see the experiences like in africa uh you see the babies being carried at the back right so and here you have these carriers so if in africa it's natural it's normal it's a part of life where they carry the babies on their back and they are breastfeeding and it's like when you're seeing people doing a certain thing you will learn that it's natural process and you don't have to be disconnected from it now because we have disconnected from this normal practice of breastfeeding the latching and everything and we don't see our own relatives our own sisters our moms breastfeed their children in a way that we can learn things we are so disconnected from the natural information and that's why we as mothers are now facing a problem when we give birth the first time and we think it's completely oh my god it's something new oh my god it will take away a lot of my sleep it will be a lot of stress so might as well i give formula and then sleep well so that's the trend that is now that is happening and that's why the formula companies are increasing in number mm, is that what you're seeing in the uae yes it's everywhere uae also it's like you can see literally in all pharmacies the first line is the formulas really the, the marketing is like they're on the top I, I i don't think it's the case in britain i mean i'm not saying i think breastfeeding is 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 not where it should be but because probably in britain it went so far the other way now mm -hmm. there's more of a move to you know encourage yes it's a midwife in that culture over there also yeah sorry in uk there is a midwifery culture yes. mostly right mm. yeah yeah but not I, cases, uh, here there are there are now it's uh, improved here it's, there are a lot of uh, hospitals that are coming in and advocating for natural birth and breastfeeding so yes, yes. the uae is upcoming in this many field. many hospitals here have a natural birthing center you know and as mm -hmm. long as a woman doesn't have any complications or you know they can't tell that there's going to be any complications or that you're not overdue too much mm -hmm. uh, they usually you know um welcome you to that kind of natural birthing center mm -hmm. um and also home births are allowed here you know so people have mm -hmm. to they have to obviously make their own arrangements but sometimes people will hire a pool you know a birthing pool okay and uh <laughs> Or even in the hospital, you know, they they provide birthing pools depending on you know which hospital you go to. So, mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, that. <laughs> but sometimes you know you you might plan a certain way, but it doesn't work out that way, right? Oh yeah, that happens. So, sister, can you tell us uh, any kind of inspiring stories, or I don't know, any clients that you've had? uh that you've seen amazing breakthroughs or amazing like progress maybe they thought they could not manage and then you know things changed can you share any stories with us 
there was one uh, sister whom I was actually consulting in Pakistan. Uh, it was a WhatsApp consultation, and she was also, uh, I think, seven days or 17 days postpartum. And I was like 20, 24 days postpartum. It was just we went close at that time. And that time also I was giving WhatsApp consultations. I was just helping her out with the WhatsApp when she was messaging me her issues. So I was trying to get in her symptoms, what all she was facing, and then give her feedback. It was uh, two and four voice notes, uh, various times of the day. What I uh, sensed was there are some common things that mothers go through in the first three months. It's like, you know, overactive letdown and the baby is pulling back. The baby's not sleeping some days. Uh, the baby is uh, having a lot of reflux, blocked nose, and all of these things. So when I was starting to note down my own uh, second daughter, my own daughter's uh, behavior at that point of time, I was putting the log out. When I just, it's not that it was something great that had happened to her, but for her, the experience was as such when I started writing those things down of my, my daughter and then the next one or two days later I get the same question what I had just resolved on for my own self. She asked the same question that my baby is doing this, my baby is doing that and then I mean, I've just finished sorting that issue up with myself. Wow. So mm. I could get back to her with the same uh, replies and what the same solution I had done for my own child mm -hmm. and then she would be like yeah it got it got sorted now. And then she would again, like for a week, she won't message and she will be um, in that track. And then there would be some other uh, symptom that would have been added. Any uh, new behavior which she is noticing of her baby, maybe the baby is not sleeping well or uh, something she has eaten that has caused the baby not to sleep well or having a reflux. So when I have gone through an issue, she would have gone through the same issue. It's like the, how, the, how the establishing of the milk supply happens. So in that case, it was like uh, for a stretch of three months, I was in consultation with her. And then finally, uh, she was actually also, she started formula feeding in between. So she weaned off from the formula feeding as and when I was consulting her. So Alhamdulillah, within like a week, she um, took off the formula and then she was exclusively breastfeeding because she just didn't have any knowledge about it. And she was getting stressed. She wasn't getting the sleep. And then finally, when I kept uh, to and fro helping her out, so she was able to completely exclusively breastfeed her baby within a week. Mashallah, excellent. Yeah, and those those days are like golden, aren't they? Like, it, even though at the time it feels very uh, demanding, and later on, like my all my kids are adults now. You know, um, well, most of them uh, have one child, yeah. and. Uh, the three of them are adults um and i actually really miss those days you know yeah. i actually miss those days of they in my mind they're like the blissful days you know in my life subhanallah but obviously at the time it didn't feel like that right sometimes it doesn't feel like that at the time but it's only afterwards with the benefit of hindsight that you realize how precious those those years were true yeah yeah that's very true any other uh i anything else you would like to share with uh, our viewers or listeners or any other stories the stories is like whoever have consulted alhamdulillah they were my main aim is to help them wean off from the formula if they can breastfeed if it's just a normal concern that the baby is not sleeping the baby is not latching well so I just help them out and just remove that formula. So, 
so that even if it's a c-section they do face some issues in the beginning so if they understand that pattern of their own body and then the baby they will be able to breastfeed exclusively so it's just that 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 is the biggest achievement that they will get if they're exclusively breastfeeding the baby and they are understanding how their milk supply is behaving because it does take some time the three first three months is a struggle so after that three months when your baby is starting to interact with you moving their heads and uh, rolling that is when you know that everything is going fine and as long as it's like one uh, thumb rule if the wet and the poopy diapers are there every single day everything is fine they don't have to worry about it so it's that's, like everyone asking thumb. me that any question anyone who puts me that question like this is the problem that i'm facing i'll be like how is the urine and poopy diapers and they're like, okay, this much my diaper is wet, and uh, there's a poop once in a day at least. That is after three months, but till three months, there should be a little number of, more number of uh, poopy diapers. But after that three months, it's like, even then, they just have to keep a track only. This is the golden rule. If they don't have any knowledge also about what to do, but if this is fine, they don't have to worry about anything. Whether the baby is crying, whether the baby is not sleeping, it's just the, the transformational behavior change or maybe it means it means that things are working right yes yeah. things are working because the baby is showing it and then you are yeah. uh, whatever the intake is the out the, uh, the out the outcome is there so you just don't have to worry and that was one thing which i didn't know for my first child and that was like when uh, we were in the hospital for the first four days that time they were just coming in and checking her sugar levels and they were telling me are you going to kill your baby uh, the baby is not uh, gaining weight what are you doing uh, they will not want to discharge us also because of this it was like first of all i didn't know how to breastfeed her at that point of time and then she was mm -hmm. and with that on a doctor is coming and telling me that you know you're gonna kill her what happened the uh, it would reach her brain the sugar uh low sugar and wh what are you doing with your baby go give the formula and if she wasn't even drinking the formula properly and everything was like a mess then when we went to even the pediatrician was also that time was very um, worried about this thing and when we went for the five the one week checkup then the pediatrician says you just need to check her urine if everything is going fine and that's where i caught it like this is the code word for everything as soon as you give birth also <laughs> if your baby is yeah. having the urine done then khalas, then you can just move out and go home and start feeding the baby so that's the yeah, code I'm, word. i'm just thinking like sisters who might be listening and they're like young they might think oh my god like you know but actually once you become a parent it's mm. quite normal to talk about nappies and you know yeah. urine and all sorts yeah. of things you know <laughs> it just becomes a yeah. part of your life that's, that's the main yeah. thing you're talking about the other <laughs> point of time and yeah, that's, so, the, that's the main thing you also keep discussing when your husband comes back from work <laughs> yeah uh, good news and bad news yeah um yeah. what about uh like any spiritual means because uh, I, I really found that time like i i've i breastfed all of my kids four of them for two two years each um one of them i think was a bit less than two years uh but that was because he lost interest actually um but during that time is very intense but i do feel that it forced me to be to be closer to allah you know because there were things happening during that time um or 
challenges, especially in the early you know days, that I felt like nobody really understood except Allah. You know, nobody could really empathize with me in mm. the same way. Um, nobody was experiencing what I was experiencing except and and only Allah Subhanahu wa Taala could could know. You know. Um, mm. Isn't it a time when sisters can really tap into that kind of natural connection uh, that we as women have with, subhanAllah, this natural cycle, right? This natural thing that's happening to us. Uh, we're almost like every day seeing a, seeing a miracle happen, right? Um, isn't it an opportunity to connect spiritually? Yeah. And you realize that that one small embryo in your body is just turning back into a baby, a live being who is talking to you. So that's the biggest miracle. It's like mm. for out of nowhere, you're carrying this baby in your hand. And that's the biggest miracle where you see her, you, you smile at her when she's feeding. So that's where the connection is formed because that's a miracle of Allah. Where we born with our own, uh, you can say she, she's our part because we have, we have had her in her in our in our tummy for so many months, and then she's here. She's looking at us, and that bonding is there. And it's like you know, you literally see that you know, milky baby. You can say <laughs> it's like through your breast milk, the baby's growing. You're not giving them anything apart from that. So everything is made of milk. Yeah. That kind of thing. Subhanallah. Jazakallah khair and sister. If, do you have any last message you'd like to give our viewers and listeners on this topic? Um, main thing is to seek knowledge and not to take it for granted that, you know, your baby is fine and uh, it's okay, formula is okay, and then you're having some pressure around you. You mm. just need to try and gain some knowledge and then try to talk it out with your uh, spouse. And your family members, if they don't have the knowledge, just tell them, explain them about these things and how important they are. Just like how every other degree is important. Like how you learn maths and science and engineering. It's the same way that this field is not to be taken so lightly. You don't have to be a breastfeeding counselor for anything, but you just need to know the important points where you can actually equip yourself to deal with those challenges rather than just yeah, going because, because you you might actually hear some myths being told to you, right? Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to a child, and people use fear in a way to to talk you out of breastfeeding. Yes. And if you have the knowledge and you understand how the brain works and how the body works in tandem, and you anticipate, the like when the mom is having a fever, then she shouldn't be feeding the baby. So that's the main. That main misconception is where the mom is having the fever and the baby is should not be feeding at is that, that point what people say <laughs> that's a myth yes and uh, uh, even uh, in, in the beginning of covid it was said that you know the mom shouldn't be feeding the baby if the mom has covid but then later on there was uh, the research that you know it doesn't pass on to the baby and if it even if it does it's in a mild form and the mom can take precautionary measures while feeding the baby uh, and after feeding the baby, she can have those precautions done where you know, the babies, because even if the mom is having COVID or uh, fever, any of that sort, then the antibodies are automatically produced in the breast. Exactly. And they're, they're being passed on to the baby, right? So yeah. which does not happen actually getting Sorry? This does not happen in formula milk. Yeah, exactly. So. 
the baby is more protected. Jazakallah khairan, Sister Aisha. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for introducing us to your work. Um, where can people find out more about your work? Is it your website? Yes, they can contact me through ahlanmotherhood.com or directly on my WhatsApp number also. So, so it's Ahlan, isn't it? Ahlan Motherhood, yeah? Yes, Ahlan Motherhood. Yeah. Yes. Okay, mashallah. Okay, jazakallah khairan. I'm going to let you go now. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, brothers and sisters, alhamdulillah, uh, that was a, an enlightening session about a topic that we don't really usually talk about, but I think it's really important because it's literally about how we start off the lives of our children, right, of the future generation. And I think it's really important, not just for sisters to know about this, but also for brothers, because you know, oftentimes uh, when there's a new mother, she's having to make really difficult decisions. And it's really hard to make those decisions if you don't have a partner, a spouse and family members who are not also uh, supporting you, right? And who also don't know much about the topic. So I would encourage everyone to empower themselves with knowledge, as Sister Aisha said, uh, read some books, you know, about breastfeeding, about what to expect when you have a new baby, etc. Read books about, um, you know, how to make sure you can continue uh, with breastfeeding um, and understand that it's way more than just food, you know. It's about the growth of the baby's brain. It's about the, the healthy development of the, of the baby in multiple ways. And it's actually Islamically, you know, if a mother can and there's no, you know, major impediment, it's the right of the child. So, Jazakumullah khairan. Although I must say, uh, I do wish that we we still had wet nurses. You know, there were times when I wished that we still had wet nurses, uh, but we don't really have that system anymore. So, khair inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. And until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. أستغفرك وأتوب إليك